0: hello and welcome back to the beast mamas podcast today is our 13th episode and i'll be interviewing jill cruz jill and i met in new york right before the pandemic she was one of the premier speakers at the guys at the women's conference in 2019. I'll never forget because she spoke about something that she was very passionate about and it was cert foods. And I know Jill had all of us pickling at home, pickling our onions at home. Don't worry ladies, she's going to share all we need to know about cert foods in the podcast. Jill is a mother, a daughter, wife, CEO and founder of her own practice in New York. She's an advocate for working with your nature for better health and performance. Jill has a master's of science in human nutrition. She's a board certified nutrition specialist and is an expert in healthy, sustainable, and pleasurable weight loss. She emphasizes that the process of health building is about the mind, body, and spirit using evidence-based nutrition science, biochemistry, psychology, behavioral science, and neuroscience. Wow! Welcome, Jill, and thank you for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful very- introduction too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. I mean, this this these are your accomplishments. You know, um, congratulations just for having such an in depth background in understanding nutrition and and guiding your clients to how they can achieve a healthy lifestyle, but understanding that nutrition is not only the foods we eat, but it's our mindset, it's our spirit and a holistic approach to nutrition.
1: So I was going to say just absolutely, I think it's essential to have a holistic approach.
0: I agree. I I agree 100%. You know, we met at the Guy's Conference. Little did we know that that was going to be, what was going to happen, you know, the following year with the pandemic. And I remember sitting at your seminar and just intrigued learning about cert foods. My husband and I went home and we, we started pickling our red onions, we put it in the fridge. It was so much fun. And we had so much fun just with the kids and enjoying cert foods. You know, can you share with our listeners what are cert foods? Because I know that's something that you're very passionate about.
1: Absolutely. I love cert foods because there's something that you can add. So much around nutrition and especially weight loss is about taking away. You can't eat this, you can't eat that, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cert foods is really about adding. And they're a group of plant-based foods. So cert foods are all plant-based uh, because essentially plants contain something called polyphenols. And polyphenol is really just a nice sort of fancy way of saying plant nutrients. They're not vitamins, they're not minerals, they're separate plant nutrients that, uh, as I said, only occur in plant foods. And so these polyphenols, when they get into the body, they stimulate a group of genes called sirtuin genes, hence the name SIRT foods, that's S-I-R-T. And These sirtuin genes are regulatory genes, so they actually control a whole bunch of other genes in the body, which is just so cool to think about. And these polyphenols are active in stimulating the sirtuin gene to help your body burn fat, to help you actually build muscle, and mm-hmm. also they're uh, we, we sort of know them as antioxidants. A lot of people will know they're antioxidants, they're mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory, and there's even some... Uh, Longevity-related characteristics and some uh, cancer, you know, squashing characteristics that occur. So they're just super powerful and delicious and appealing to eat.
0: Oh, nice! Can you can you tell our listeners five certain foods that maybe next time they go to the grocery store that they could look for to add nutrition to their diet and lifestyle?
1: Absolutely. So. Olive oil, extra virgin olive oil is one that most people I think can relate to and would know how to use really easily. Strawberries, Mm. super tasty and yeah, fun to have. Dates are a cert food. Capers actually, uh, and and I don't know if uh, everybody's familiar with capers, but they're little berries that you can put in salads. Yeah, salmon or any kind of cooked food, fabulous. Parsley is a cert food. Kale, celery ginger, turmeric. Okay, I'm adding, I'm I'm naming more than five. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's okay, convenient. it's okay. Also, coffee and green tea are cert foods. So those are easy for people to add as well.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, you mentioned so many things that I eat on a daily basis. So, so thanks for sharing that. Ladies, so you know, it's like nutrition, it's not, I don't want you to think of your nutrition as a task. I want you to really have fun with enjoying the foods that you eat like Jill and I were just talking right before we came on, she made a beautiful smoothie. You know, I made my wee tea with lemon. There's so many things that you can easily add to your daily routine that can really add nutrition to your body. Jill, can you expand on
1: what really is nutrition? Well, wow. it, it's a fantastic question. It's funny, I was actually talking with a prospective client this morning and we were talking about how nutrition is so much more than the foods. Or the, or the beverages that you ingest into your body. Nutrition is also about sunlight and sleep, and as opposed to lots of, you know, watching stressful TV shows or the news. So it really encompasses so much, at least as far as my definition goes. Um, nutrition is also about feeding your soul with spiritual practices and doing work that you love but I'm not sure if you wanted a more uh, scientific interpretation of the uh, food aspect of it. <laughs>
0: no, I, I like what you just said, because I think sometimes we misunderstand what nutrition really is, and we think it's only the foods that we eat. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, nutrition is a holistic approach. It's the mind, body, and spirit. And if we don't incorporate this evolution of thought, When we think of nutrition, that it's one, the food that we eat, that's one part of it. We want to eat healthy, whole foods. We want to stay away from processed foods, you know, foods that are very laden with oils, but simple, whole foods. But when it comes to, like Jill just said, our sleep, when it comes to our mental health, all these things, our spiritual health, are essential and make up our nutrition. I actually love the definition that you
1: just gave. And and I would add to that on the note of just talking about foods itself, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I really only have two rules or guidelines that we incorporate into our work about nutrition. So the first is that whole foods are nutritionally superior to processed foods. So whenever possible, try to find the more whole foods version what you're eating so if you like to have cereal in the morning can you replace that with a homemade granola or a small Mm. batch granola or oatmeal something that's less processed and the other rule is that the proteins the fats and the carbohydrates that are form the sort of the foundation of all foods how much you need of each of those macronutrients depends Mm -hmm. on the person so one person may feel great if they have a high protein breakfast they feel fantastic. Another person may say, no, actually, I need more fiber and carbohydrates and um, less protein for my breakfast. So we really encourage people to understand macronutrients and to find the ratio of the proteins, fats and carbs that work for your individual body, not for Mm -hmm. some, you know, generic dietary dogma that's out there.
0: Oh, I love that. What, what, what Joe just said is understanding how to be in tune with your body. That's very important because it's like there's not a standard nutrition for the masses. You have to know when you eat something and you don't feel good, that's your body telling you either you're sensitive to it, you're allergic to it, or it's just something that you shouldn't eat. So when you're in tune with your body, you know what you eat and you'll eat the foods that make you feel good. You know, Jill, you just mentioned granola, and that's something that my family and I make every weekend. I use rolled oats. I have some organic walnuts. I have hemp hearts. I have grown flax seeds, raw pumpkin seeds. And it's very easy to make. And with oats, you have soluble and insoluble fibers. And that's what makes oats such a great food, especially a great breakfast food because it keeps you full for a very long time. Just be mindful of what sweetness that you added. And I'm sure Jill can add some points as well. But another sweetener you can add to your granola could be you could chop up some dates, which you know is a cert food. So there's lots of things (laughs) that you can add to your meal that could really make it exciting. And I don't add my dates when I bake them, but I add like my dates and sometimes raisins after when I'm having it. So Jill, can you just add maybe some more things that you could add to your granola to just add some more
1: nutrition? Yeah, I, I love your granola recipe. It sounds fabulous. You have, the <laughs> <oat>. <laughs> you have the oats, which provide fiber. And you also, with the nuts and seeds, you're getting not only fiber, but also fat and some protein. Mm-hmm. so you're getting to a more sort of ba- well i don't i don't like to use the term balanced but you know if you need that extra protein with your breakfast you have some there actually oats are rich in protein compared to other grains mm-hmm. actually higher higher in protein and i love what you said about the sweetener you really uh, that's one of the biggest problems with buying granola in the stores that there's so yeah. much added sugar in there so you could top it with bananas you could add dates you could you could bake it with some, like you said, uh, maple syrup, honey. Mm-hmm. I, I would recommend adding afterwards as opposed mm-hmm. to baking it. I love that you added seeds to chia seeds and flax seeds are a one, not only a wonderful source of fiber, they're also a source of essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Um, you could add berries, which again, fiber, antioxidants, rich in polyphenols. Mm-hmm. Oh, my kids
0: love adding blueberries.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, blueberries are. I love just so for so many reasons. I love blueberries. (laughs) (laughs) You you can also add cinnamon, which is helps in regulating blood sugar.
0: I add cinnamon. If if you know me, I'm West Indian, so cinnamon is like my just like the the spice of my house. (laughs) Cinnamon and nutmeg. So I add ground cinnamon to it, and sometimes I'll add a little um, vanilla.
1: To it as well. I love that. You you want it to taste good. This is Mm -hmm. not about, like you said earlier, this is not about suffering and oh, I'm I'm gonna make my healthy granola and just struggle through it. This should be something that you look forward to. That is the Mm -hmm. the secret and the essence really of sustainable healthy living is doing things that give you pleasure.
0: I want you to expand for listeners the difference between macro and micronutrients.
1: There are three macronutrients traditionally that we talk about in nutrition. There's protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Just as a side note, when I talk about carbohydrates, what I really emphasize to people is fiber. If you're eating enough fiber, you're eating enough carbohydrates. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, low-carb uh, popularity right now, and, and I'm not saying there's anything good or bad about that. It really depends on your body, but what you want to do is make sure you're getting enough fiber, regardless of how many carbs you're eating in the day. And micronutrients are uh, all the other nutrients in your food that are not protein, fat, and carbohydrates. So that would include vitamins, minerals, and polyphenols. And uh, I will note also that when you're listening to your body and you're getting enough protein and a fiber enough of the good fats, the micronutrients follow. So sometimes you may have noticed, especially for the women who are listening, that there are times of the month when you crave high iron foods, mm-hmm. that's a micronutrient, that's a mineral. And so your body may tell you, oh, eat more meat or eat more of these pumpkin seeds, (laughs) something that's iron rich. And that's actually, yes, you're getting a little bit more protein, but you're also getting more iron. So the micros follow the macros, if that makes sense. I hope that's- Mm -hmm.
0: That's very important. So Mm -hmm. Jill and I, you know, we just mentioned about refraining from processed foods. And I think for me, Like being that I am, I've been in America for what 19 years and I didn't grow up with junk food or processed foods. Um, My parents, my mom, my dad were farmers and we ran a very big farm. We sold produce to the local market. And so I grew up around a lot of fresh food. It was something that was instilled in me. I remember my mom, I remember being very young and my mom telling me, processed drinks and she had said something to the notion that you see how when you people drink those things or they put it in containers how it stains the containers think of those things as being dyes that stain you inside she didn't have the science behind it I think for me being a scientist now and just understanding my mom's philosophies and ways of life is beautiful because she had just observed certain things around her and made decisions. So you are what you eat. So I think growing up and having that type of foundation has built the foundation for me, who I am, my family, and the types of foods I introduce my children to. In this, this culture and society, junk and processed foods is prevalent. It's everywhere, it's on the television, if you have television, the ads. I mean, these companies pay a lot of money, to gain your time and to get your attention. Jill, you know, for people who are trying to refrain from eating junk processed foods, how how can you guide them as to things that they can incorporate into their lifestyle where they can feel satiated, where they're full, where their bodies are not craving the salt, sugar, and fat.
1: Sure, and I also just want to say that your your mother, even though she wasn't a scientist or didn't have that scientific background around food, she has been proven right. She is correct. No. Yes, there's there's been a lot of research about processed foods versus whole foods, and we know that processed foods have added sugars, added sometimes coloring, flavoring, like MSG, preservatives. Mm-hmm. So, so we have the added bad, you know, more sodium than you would need bad mm-hmm. oils and fats. So th- not only do they have a bunch of junk added to them, they have less micronutrients. Now that we know the term, they have less mm-hmm. vitamins, less minerals, less macronutrients, less fiber. So your mother has been proven correct. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to give her a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Thank you. And and she she was using her intuition, which again we've been talking about. Just pay attention to what's what your food looks like on the plate. Does it look like something that was made in a laboratory, <laughs> or mm-hmm. does it look like something that grew in the ground? Or pro- mm-hmm. that's the thing too. Processed foods are tend to be actually quite expensive. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to satiation, so so some of, as you said, these companies spend a lot of money advertising to us, marketing to us, and also they spend a lot of time researching mm-hmm. the, the qualities of the food that are going to be most addictive for us. So the, like you said, the sugar, the salty, and the bad fats that uh, feel like, you know, they fill you up, they taste good, fat tastes good, whether it's an avocado <laughs> or it's a French fry. <laughs> So uh, they've got that all figured out. So there's a lot of addiction going on that's, that's hard to break. I, I am more of the, the mindset of slowly changing things. Um, I prefer to move slowly with people and to find, like I mentioned with the cereal, if you're eating a, a processed cereal, can, can you find a more homemade version, whether it's you're still buying it in the store or not. Uh, when it comes to meats, uh, definitely it should only have one ingredient, your meat. <laughs> if there are additional ingredients to your meat, that means it's processed. That's a pretty easy way to, to look at it. And um, in general, look at labels. If If you're buying a product, even the same product, let's say you're looking at a granola in the store and mm-hmm. you see one that has 15 ingredients, half of which you have no idea what they are. And the other one has four ingredients. Go with the one with less ingredients. Go with things that you understand what is exactly in this food.
0: I love having you on today because nutrition is such a a big part of me, guys, essence, and to have someone like you who's so knowledgeable. And and it's just like, it's excited me because you're saying all the things that I wanted to say and you're saying them, we're saying it together. So,
1: Yes, yes, it is. It is exciting to to really be on the same page. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of, diet, uh, you know, fad diets and those sorts of things, popular diets out there, they will heavily rely on processed foods. So that's another thing to look out for. If you're thinking, well, maybe I should eat XYZ diet. And the first Mm -hmm. thing you have to do is go buy a bunch of bars and shakes and Mm -hmm. pre-made products. That's a red flag. Yeah. The truth is that if you were to do nothing else, Nothing else with your nutrition except to eat mostly whole foods. Your health would dramatically improve. Just try to eat more whole foods. Yeah,
0: and and, and it'll be um, cheaper,
1: less costly as well. That's right. And also, this is a whole other interesting aspect to this. Processed foods are appealing to your taste, which is on the tongue. So you have mm-hmm. the salty, the sweet, the sour, the bitter, the umami, which is basically and. You know they created that with M- MSG, but mm-hmm. you can find you can find umami in Whole Foods as well. Like meat has umami, Parmesan cheese has umami. So, but they manufacture it, right? So processed foods appeal to your taste. Whole Foods are going to have tastes, right? You may add mm-hmm. a little lemon or vinegar or salt or a date mm-hmm. to your food, so you have those delicious tastes. But you also have the aroma. That's what we, we smell most of our foods. So yeah. I, I like to make the argument that not only are whole foods more nutritious, they're more delicious mm. because Absolutely. you have, yes, you have that variety of aromas coming in. And one example I always use is how do you know the difference between cilantro and parsley? It's the yeah. smell. They have different aromas and that's yeah. just one small example. So If you if you're really paying attention and tuning in, you will notice that Whole Foods are just gastronomically way more exciting and interesting than any macaroni and cheese or potato chip that you would eat. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, well said, well said. You know, you just mentioned about you know, if you eat whole foods, they would be better than going to any fad diet. Can you give us a full definition of what a diet is?
1: Well, I think the word diet has been destroyed you know in, mm-hmm. in popular in our popular in in the if you ask the average person what do you mean by diet they're going to think of weight loss so they're going to right. think about a list of rules and regulations that you have to follow in order to lose weight or you know you may be put on a uh, diet to help with kidney stones or um, heart cardiovascular disease and they'll put you on a diet and that really just has a, a set of rules and regulations so I don't really love using the term diet. People understand it, but what we are striving for is a way of eating that's that you do for life.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: uh, but yeah, I mean, a diet is really just about having a set of uh, guidelines that you follow consistently. And, and um, most of us have a negative connotation with that word.
0: I want to touch something that is, that is sensitive for many, And I'm going to touch it as gentle as I can. You know, food addiction is something that is prevalent. And as we come in from talking about, you know, processed foods and junk foods, there are many people who are addicted to processed foods. And many of us know there are a lot of companies that spend a lot of money doing research as to how to control the human being. How how can someone who
1: is listening to this podcast right now who is trying to navigate? Well, I think that the term food addiction, it's a very, we we want to expand the um, identification with that. So I Mm -hmm. actually identify as having a food addiction, which Mm -hmm. is ice cream. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I think that um, it's a word that is, as you said, very sensitive, for people who identify, there are people who have a true eating disorder or a history of eating disorder. If that is the case, then my recommendation is always to work with a team of a nutritionist and a, uh, you know, getting some therapy and, and that sort of thing because um, I think we, we, you know, those people who have an eating disorder need both. But I think what you're talking about is more people who may not identify as having an addiction, but Correct. if you ask them. They'll say, "Yeah, I'm addicted to coffee. I'm addicted to sugar. I'm addicted to potato chips." So we we don't want to get stuck in that label too much because yeah, then yeah. then it becomes part of your identity, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: we also want to um, give it its due respect. That yeah. if 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 it is something that you feel that's very 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 challenging for you to stop indulging in, yeah. uh, that's not easy, and that's that's uh, essentially the work that uh, that we do in my in my business is we help people through this entire process. This is not a one week or one month endeavor. This is, uh, we we typically work in six months or longer with people on this. So it's a process because the first step that most people try is, okay, I'm addicted to coffee. I'm going to stop drinking coffee.
0: I'm Mm -hmm. addicted
1: to that 3 p.m. chocolate. So I'm just going to stop eating that chocolate. We go about it a different way. Uh, Well, the way that we start, the first step is with awareness. Mm -hmm. What are you eating? How are you nourishing your body throughout the day? And from that process, you then start to slowly add things that are providing your body with the basic micronutrients and macronutrients that you need. Because oftentimes, a craving is coming from something missing. It could mm-hmm. be as well said, thank you for saying that. It could be as simple as water. water. A lot of times people will say to me it's like magic. <laughs> My cravings went away. It was like magic happening was you were not eating enough protein in the morning, and then you were eating not enough food at lunch because you mm-hmm. wanted to lose weight or something. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, your body is literally telling you, "Knock, knock, knock, we need something. And unfortunately, yeah. the body doesn't send you an email that says, hey, <laughs> hey, Jill, uh, we need more pro- get some more protein going in here. It doesn't tell us that, right? Yeah. It's very, un- it's kind of vague. So we might start munching on cookies because something's missing and you don't know what. Mm-hmm. So the first step is understanding what you're putting in your body and how it's affecting you. And the second step is adding in those basic requirements. And then what can happen is magically, your cravings are reduced by 50%, 80%, 90% even. The only other problem here that gets a little sticky is that you may have a habit of eating. Let's just say, you know, every afternoon at three, you start to feel tired. You're a little hungry. You're a little bored. You're a little frustrated. And so all those cookies Mm -hmm. are so fantastic at that time. Mm. And then you do it day after day after day. And after, you know, six months of doing that, it's habitual and your brain wants it, even if your body doesn't need it. Yeah. So habits, uh, habitual cravings are a little tricky, but the first step, don't try to stop the habit with willpower. Start by nourishing your body properly. And then get those physical cravings out of the way. And then you can start to slowly change. You know, there's a process that you can go through to, to stop uh, an old habit and start new ones.
0: What, what you just mentioned is all about behavior. If we can just change the behavior, it could be incorporated in something that's healthier. Or it could be making sure that we're hydrated. I'm so happy that you mentioned water because I'm called the the water police in my family, knowing and understanding that every chemical reaction in our body needs to be dissolved in water. And a lot of people are dehydrated and they don't know. And dehydration yeah. leads to diseases. And if you're waking up in the morning and you're not drinking a big cup of water, if you are today, you're not getting your eight to 10 cups of water, then you're in a state of dehydration. Your skin is dehydrated. You can you can tell your hair is brittle. There's so many things that are affected by you feel foggy from dehydration. So I think if you take one thing away from this podcast today, ladies and gents, because I've found out now that our male audience is growing exponentially. <laughs> so if, you, if you can take anything away from the, the podcast that Jill and I mentioned, it's how essential it is that you drink water every day. That should be your staple throughout the day.
1: Yeah. It's so it's a one thing you can add again, mm-hmm. adding because it sometimes it feels so overwhelming. Oh, my diet's so poor. I'm addicted to this. I have too much coffee, sugar. Uh you know, you don't even want to start, but how about just a simple action of I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to measure my water and get yeah. one more cup that I'm getting now a day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, water is profound. It, it, it's just, So important and and easily Mm -hmm. forgotten. Mm -hmm. It is. It is easily forgotten. I
0: think one one tip that we can give you guys is a bottle in your house, have something that you can take on the go with you that you can fill with water that you know that if you've drunk this entire bottle, that you've actually taken in your, your water, it takes for the day. Have water in the morning, you have a little lemon, you have a little apple cider vinegar, and that helps flush the body. I mean, it helps you to really release the body and where your, your bowels are able to flow through. And, and that's one of the best ways to start your day, two, three times a day. And if you're not, know that you may be in a, a chronic state of dehydration.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, this is one of my things that I don't get to talk about a lot in podcasts. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, first of all, if you, if you were to go to a gastroenterologist or the doctor and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm constipated, the first thing they're going to say to you is drink more water. So it's pretty basic. And I agree with you that most people don't understand that the bowel movements and, and the, the urine it gives you a lot of information about your health and the the you know the ideal functioning, of course there are always exceptions, but for the most part the ideal functioning is two, three, four, maybe even more bowel movements a day so yeah. that it's um, it's it's a flow You you're, you're eat and it flows out it, it shouldn't be. Sitting up in there. <laughs> no, and, it um, you know, there has been research on this where they found in, uh, there was research done in Africa, I forget which country, but getting information from people who were totally not eating, consuming processed foods at all. And mm-hmm. there was a very high fiber diet. And, and basically every time they used the bathroom, they were um, having a bowel movement as well. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what normal functioning should be. Uh, not mm-hmm. to scare anybody. If you're not there, that's okay. Everybody's different, yeah. Um, yeah. but but you know you want to be moving in that direction of at least one a day, if not yeah. two. And and if not, then I would seek out help for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And like Jill said, you you shouldn't be you shouldn't be scared about your nutrition. You shouldn't be scared about your health. You know there are professionals like Jill here to help. And if you if you ever feel alone, well if you ever feel like you have a question. Reach out to someone in your network. Reach out to someone who can help you because there are simple things that you can do that can really make a difference. And it starts with drinking water. On my island, Dominica, we have one of the highest level of centenarians in the world. And it comes from, we eat what we grow. Almost every other day, someone turns 100. And mm. it's, it's, it's a norm in Dominica. We, we eat very rich foods. We eat lots of coconuts, lots of avocados, lots of citrus, you know, there's fish. But it's about the way of life. It's about the whole nutrition. It's about who we are as a people. We're loving people. The communities are very connected. We take care of each other. But all these things add to your nutrition. We get lots of sunshine because we're in the tropics. So we're always outside. We're at the beach. And when you understand that, you know that you can eat all the organic food that you want in the world. But if you're negative, if there are things in your life that are really affecting you and impacting you negatively, and that's going to result in affecting your organs. That's going to result in creating tension in the body. When the body is tense, it produces chemicals. These things are not happening physically. There's, there's, there's no, you know, silver tooth tiger coming after you. It's all in your mind. So if you can create these scenarios that are so negative, why don't you create scenarios that are beautifully unpositive? Create beautiful things in your mind. Create a world that, that you'd like to see, envision it. And bring it into fruition. So uh, it's very important that we mention that because I think sometimes we feel that our nutrition is so far-fetched, you will never be healthy. But if you tell yourself you will never, then you just said it. You said it outright. I will never be healthy. If you would like to be healthy, say I'm working towards being a healthier person. And every day you wake up, do one thing that helps you be healthier. And it starts with, I I can't say enough about what, it starts with a cup of water. That's how easy, a cup of water, a little lemon, and you'll see the difference in your life.
1: Because of our culture, sorry, my dog is coming down the stairs. (laughs) He's a big boy. Um, But I want to add to this, that because of our culture, caught up in all of this is a lot of emotion and a lot of shame and feelings of, I'm not enough, or I'm not doing enough, or there's something wrong with me. So while while we all want to make better habits and improve our day-to-day thoughts and activities, Mm -hmm. part of that, an essential part of that is being loving and forgiving to yourself Mm -hmm. for not getting it right, for making mistakes Mm -hmm. and asking yourself, like if you have a lot of those negative thoughts, they're actually there for a reason. They're there Mm -hmm. if if you can shift your mindset to say, what can I learn? from this fear? What can I learn from this overwhelm? What can Mm -hmm. I learn from the shame I feel about eating too much ice cream last night? Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to just think positive, we, it's very very important that we honor those emotions and those thoughts because they're there for a reason it's when we try to ignore them or squash them or or we just sit there and we and we let them consume us so much that we can't do anything else that's when yeah. we get into trouble uh, so yeah. honor and respect those emotions and those and those feelings and um recognize that there's a lesson in them because, The reason that I'm bringing this up is it's very easy for uh, people in the health world, nutritionists, um, personal trainers, uh, chiropractors, you know, all of us, we we, we setting this example and then people look at at someone and say, oh my gosh, I could never be like them. Mm -hmm. And we don't, I don't want you to feel like that. I want you to feel like where you are is where you are and accept and love yourself Mm -hmm. for exactly that. And then just like, like you were saying, Farah, just make a small improvement, but remember that it's a, it's a journey and not being perfect is, well, that's just being human. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Embrace the not perfect part. Use that as an opportunity to learn and to forgive. Mm.
0: I think this is one of the best um, podcasts on nutrition that I have either listened or done. (laughs) I love that we're not only talking about just nutrition, but I love that we're talking about mental health as well. Joe, thank you so much for bringing in how important it is to honor all the thoughts, all of you, loving all of you. It might be a trauma that you experienced as a child or maybe as a young adult or maybe as an adult that maybe you are still dealing with, that you haven't really taken the time to heal from. And like Joe just mentioned, honoring those thoughts, going deep within yourself and, and figuring out why am I having these thoughts and then navigating that space within yourself. And if you need help, a psychologist, if you need someone to help you, guide you through it, then that's what these professionals are there for. And then once you've approached and healed from within, then you can approach your nutrition.
1: Yes. I, I love that, it, um, and we're always evolving, right? We if if you think you've reached enlightenment, you probably haven't, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so every day. You know? Every day. <laughs> but but the uh, the other piece that I want to bring to this that we haven't really talked about is movements. I'm sure that if I asked you about your upbringing, not only you as a child, but the people around you, there was always movement. Yes. And uh, I love dance. I love um, you know encouraging people to. Move in a way that feels good. Yes, there there's always room for you know down the road if you're not very active, eventually you can go to a gym or whatever. But just again, starting with simple things like putting on your favorite song and just dancing. It's mm-hmm. great for your emotional world as well because the emotions sometimes they get stuck up in the body, and mm-hmm. if you can move and dance and laugh and have a good time. You're going to actually be allowing those movements to kind of shift around and and yeah. get processed as well. Absolutely.
0: Oh, thank you for bringing the movement part on. And it could be something as simple as if you if you want to listen to the podcast, you put on your headphones and you take a simple walk around your block mm-hmm. or you go to the yes. park. Something very simple, or you just walk around your house or. You walk around your yard, whatever it is, it could be starting your day and starting your day with doing yoga by yourself or with your family. That's something that I do and I love. It really sets my day. Operating movement in your schedule is key. The earlier you can do it, the better, because if your day has already kind of set in motion, sometimes it may be a little bit more challenging, or maybe at the end of your day, you might bring in your movement. But like Jill mentioned, movement is key in maintaining your your mental and physical health.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I love, I love what you were talking about too. Just remembering it depends on where you are with your fitness, but if you really are pretty uh, sedentary, then just starting with a simple, I tell people, I say a five minute walk. And uh, this, this one woman, a client of ours, she said, she said, well, that doesn't work for me. And I said, why? And she said, well, because I can walk more than five minutes. And I said, but are you? And she said, no. (laughs) i said said, okay so just do five minutes and then stop you know put your timer on okay five minutes because that's how you build a habit is by making it really really easy so yeah yeah, i'm gonna get in my five minute walk that's it i'm done and maybe a couple weeks from now I'll, i'll increase it to seven minutes absolutely and that way you you sort of slowly easily develop this habit uh, and And you know there are for those of you listening, and I'm sure there are those of you out there listening who are already exercising, mm-hmm. there's always um, physical activity in your life that you can add. So you know, great. you get to the gym or you work out in your living room for forty five minutes. Wonderful. And then are you sitting for the rest of the day? Okay? Yeah. Well, maybe you maybe you can add in a walk or running around in the yard with your dog or your kids, make it fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, always be thinking about that. How can I incorporate a little bit more movement into my life?
0: Lovely. And like you said, Jill, it's so important to just set the habits. And I know sometimes we we become overachievers, like your client yes. said. Oh, I can walk more than five minutes. But it's about building the habit for the five minutes first. And once you've done the five minutes for a month, two months, then you double the time but build a habit first. Where one, I think the most important thing that you have to understand with building a habit is that you feel that you've accomplished a goal. Yeah, That's very important. So you've achieved it, you feel good, you feel self-accomplished and then you can move on. Because once you feel defeated, forget about it. And that's yeah. why it's, it's about taking baby steps and understanding it's a process so that you don't give up after the second time because you make You make the goal so big for yourself because you haven't developed the habits first. Build a habit first. And then once you build a habit, you've created the behavior that supports your habit. Then you can move on and then you can elevate.
1: Yeah. And and I just want to add, you know, we use the term baby steps very loosely, but Mm -hmm. I actually use it a lot. The analogy with my clients, with our clients. And I say, look, let's say the goal is I want to drink more water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, think about a baby. When the baby first starts walking, most babies, the vast majority of babies don't just stand up and walk across the room and are jogging with confidence. It takes, it's a long period of time that it takes where mm-hmm. you take a step, you fall down, you take a step, you fall down. Mm-hmm. So literally we want you to take baby steps, knowing okay. that there's no baby who's going to fall down and then say, Oh, I give up. I fell down five times. That's it. I'm done with walking. Think of yourself. (laughs) Think of yourself as a baby learning to walk. It's going to take multiple tries. You're going to have some mess ups part of the process Mm -hmm. and, um, and just keep going and just keep going. Just get up again and keep going. I think for me, it's just reminding people how important it is
0: to be patient with themselves. Yeah, Because we get so impatient. Just remember being patient with yourself and understanding that you're learning. But you put the effort in. And then you slip. And it's okay to slip as well because you're human. We make right. mistakes. But be patient with yourself. Key factor, I think, just not just in your nutrition and in your overall health, but just in life. Being patient with yourself. Because as you're patient with yourself, what happens is that you're patient with others. Mm. And that's key.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. I love it. Oh, this this has been really good, Jill. Mm. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like
0: sitting up in my chair. This has been really good. One other thing, one other thing I wanted to mention, when you mentioned about movement, um, something that I have started incorporating that I want to share with you and my listeners is I call it a standing desk. Yes. And it's where you're not sitting for long periods of time, because one, we just live a very sedentary lifestyle, it it creates so many dysfunctions in the body. So if you can, if you can get a desk, and if you don't have a standing desk, try and stand more throughout the day, where you're not sitting for too long, that your your body becomes
1: too, too sedentary. Yeah, and and this is I'm standing right now at my standing desk, which I love. Yeah, I, I, but I, you know, I make sure that I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm not just Uh, Standing for hours and hours, I take breaks. Mm -hmm. I go back and forth. Actually, I'm more comfortable standing at this point because I'm used to it. And um, you know, I also will bring in the concept, which I love, which is not my original concept. I I learned it from a friend. Microdosing movement. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: uh, you know, just the act of okay, I've been sitting for an hour. Now I'm going to get up and I'm just going to walk up the stairs, or I'm Mm -hmm. going to do. I'm going to put on a song and dance, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to. I'm going to do a few stretches. Even doing that can make a huge difference. You just set your alarm. Once yes. an hour, you get up, you do a, a few squats. Yes. You sit on the floor, you twist your spine. Uh, you know, just microdosing a tiny, tiny amounts of, again, uh, movement throughout the day. And, and if it's not possible, then maybe, you know, if you're in an office or whatever, maybe it is you just stand up. And, and when you're standing, you are engaging your a lot more muscles in your abdominal area. So mm-hmm. you, it really does make a difference to to stand Wonderful. more in the day.
0: <laughs> I like that, and it's 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 good that you just mentioned that because that's something I do for um my son, my homeschooler. So, and whenever we home, I'll I'll tell my son, you leave your water downstairs, and so every thirty minutes, you know, just come down, get your water, and will, we'll we go. outside, take a little walk, we'll pick some oranges. But if you do that, just incorporate some type of like micro movements, which I love. That way you're not know, sitting for um, or standing for too long.
1: Yes, it's, it's definitely, it's easy. You just have to be reminded. That's so many devices we have now that can support uh, this yeah. more healthy lifestyle for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I agree. You know, Jill, I want to, um, I wanted to take me back to, I guess, about 15, 15 years ago, during a time that was, was very challenging for you. I know that you advocate for health because of your own experiences in life. You you mentioned that you had an eating disorder and, and suffered this condition for a very long time, which I understand why nutrition and a holistic approach to nutrition means so much to you because of your own personal experience. When, when did you have your own paradigm when you decided that you're going to get help. Okay, this is something that I want to address for me. There are listeners out there who may be experiencing something similar to what you went through. Can you can you share with us your own personal journey and and how you were
1: able to now become an advocate for health and nutrition? Sure. I, I don't really identify with having, uh, having had an eating disorder. I, yeah. I really like to draw the line if, uh, if, you know, if the disordered eating or the eating disorder is really negatively affecting your health. So, you know, for example, uh, binging and purging, whether you're purging through, um, you know, through bringing the food back up, vomiting, or through, um, you know, eight hours of exercise the next day where you're really, really compromising your health and and potentially even with anorexia, you know, causing um, potential very serious medical complications for, for either. Uh, yeah. That's when you you would need to seek out a professional, like I said, some a nutritionist who specializes in this and also therapy. Uh, what what I experienced was what I call more <laughs> it's Sounds similar, but I call it disordered eating or really, I just had an addiction to eating uh, at night. And that Mm -hmm. started when I was, yeah, and and a lot of of women have told me that they have this. So (laughs) I definitely uh, am not alone in this. Yeah, When I was pregnant with my first daughter, Belle, who's now 20, I started eating ice cream at night as kind of a stress release. And when she was born, it really became a very solidified habit. Every night I had to have that ice cream. It just—it was such a source of comfort for me. Um, you know, I would sit down; the baby was asleep, and and I just could peacefully sit there and eat the delicious ice cream. Mm-hmm. And what I was uh, unknowingly doing was creating a very strong habit in my brain, which is really about neural pathways getting um, solidified. And mm-hmm. so, for the next 15 years, I did struggle with nighttime eating. So what happened was I kind of had three epiphanies along the way. The first epiphany was about seven, when Bell was about seven years old, I realized that I, well, I I got a diagnosis of Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition of the thyroid. And that was a wake up call for me. And I actually had a wonderful mentor who taught me the importance of paying attention to your body and, and nourishing your body in a way that works for you, not anybody else. So that was the first uh, big change that I made. I started eating better during the day. And we've talked a lot about some of the things, essentially the things that we talked about earlier, foods, um, making sure that I was getting enough proteins and fats and fibers in each meal. And by doing that, I was able to have more control at night, but I wow. still uh, <laughs> I still had this uh, addiction um, and then I did stop stop eating ice cream and started eating all kinds of other things like pretzels and homemade muffins and <laughs> apples with almond butter. Oh, I'm being so healthy, but I still nice. had this addiction. So the next thing that happened to me after a couple of years of really, really eating healthily was that I realized that I had no joy in eating anymore. It was all gone. Oh, And so that was coming from that perfectionism thing that we kind of talked about. So I realized that I also had to enjoy my food. And so, you know, worked on that. But it was really another eight years, really right around, you know, when Belle was 15 that I discovered that. Yes, I was nourishing my body properly and I was enjoying mm-hmm. my foods, but I still had this addiction. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm a, at this point I'm a nutritionist, I'm working in a functional medicine practice and I know that it's bad for me to eat yeah. all this extra food at night before I went to bed. So I realized that it was really about making a commitment. And that's, I think, also a really important message is, you know, if you're going to make a change, you have to be committed. And so I made a commitment to stop the nighttime eating. And that was all around mindset. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today and and so much more. Uh, I really had to, you know, it was interesting. We talked in the beginning about nourishing your body, what's nutrition. And I I think there were a lot of other areas in my life where I wasn't nourishing my soul, my mind. Uh, So I really started working on a lot of that stuff um and and realizing that food was this thing that was really trying to fill a void that was there. So a lot of that yeah. mindset work. And those are the three kind of foundations of the work that we do. Everything we do reverts back to nourishing your body properly, taking pleasure in your food, and and the mindset work. Yeah. So that's my story. I still uh, sometime, you know, right now, I'm at the point where I stop eating at six thirty. Uh, unless unless it's a special event or something and that helps me i i you know i always i always encourage people find find a positive thing reward for yourself that's very you know soon so if i if i eat after seven i notice that at night it's a little harder for me to fall asleep my Mm -hmm. meditation isn't as nice so i really use the feedback loops of um you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to eat later because I don't feel well when I eat later. I mean, it's as simple as that at this point, Mm -hmm. but you know, going through a lot of, it it takes time. It takes time and it takes commitment to really get to that place where you can say, yes, I, you know, that addiction may always be there, but it doesn't control me at all anymore.
0: We have to be very careful what words that we use, Um, eating disorders, addiction is not, because when, when something is yours, when you own it, you don't really want to let it go because it belongs to you. And so mm-hmm. you, where it's something that, you know, you may experience for a period of time, but it is not who you are. And like Jill mentioned, you know, she was committed to being healthier. And it didn't happen overnight. It took her years. It took commitment. And because she was very disciplined, committed. And yes, did she have slip-ups? Of course she did because she is human and she is not perfect. And you look at Jim and you go, oh, she's an attritionist. Of course she has everything down pat. She's doing everything perfectly. But she's not. And she's here to tell you. She's sharing her own story with you to let you know that, you know, she struggled like we all struggle. And when you know that it's okay when you slip up, it's okay to make mistakes. But it's what do you learn in that moment and how do you move forward?
1: Yes, yeah, for sure. Thank you, you're welcome. I, I wouldn't trade my journey for anything else because it's brought me to where I am today. And the, the, the most important thing that I really, really try to get my clients, our clients, to believe is that it's really all about self love. And it's about protecting yourself and protect, giving yourself the love, the attention, and the care that you deserve that we all deserve and when you come from that place of it doesn't matter if I'm perfect or not what what can I do in this moment that's the most loving from myself okay. then it really transforms the entire process from this exterior oh I'm I'm you know I want to look good I want to weigh a certain way because you know my doctor told me or I want to look you know my husband or my friend or whatever is criticizing me that's mm-hmm. all externally motivated. And I yeah. prefer to encourage people to say, find that inspiration within to practice self-love every day. And again, you're not always gonna be in a state of self-love and that's okay. But mm-hmm. just coming back to that place of like, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? Mm-hmm. And oh, that's that's, that's what, yeah, I mean, that's the, what had the journey has taught me. And, and I'm, I, you know, I, hey, I had to learn the hard way.
0: (laughs) And now you can teach others. You you know, Jill, you refer to yourself as the healthy hiddenist. The hiddenist is, you know, someone who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. Why does this resonate so strongly with you?
1: Yeah, it really does has resonate with me, and I even looked it up. I said, "Is this such a bad word, hedonism?" And I found that there is <laughs> uh, there's actually a term in you know psychology that's called healthy hedonism. I was like, "Wow, that's incredible!" Yeah. Uh, so, so what the reason that it resonates with me the, the the words together are very important. So if it's pure hedonism, then you're probably you're probably going to be causing damage in your body, right? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, it would be fun to drink a bottle of wine, but uh, not so good for you. And, you know, you feel awful the next day. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's really about the health-oriented, health-driven hedonism, which includes, as I mentioned, what I learned throughout my journey, it's not enough just to nourish your body properly and pursue health. It's equally important for you to enjoy the process and really, really take pleasure. So that's where the term hedonism appeals to me is, um, to that, that pleasure is not optional. Mm -hmm. It's not optional and no diet out there, no diet book or, or nutritionist I've ever heard say this pleasure is a requirement. And the reason is that whatever practices that you want to do, these new habits you want to develop in order for them to truly be sustainable for life, you have to enjoy them. You have to enjoy them. So it's not optional. So, oh, it, 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 you know, it's so easy to fall into that thing of like, well, I'm, I'm not going to eat bread because, you know, bread is bad. And, uh, you know, and then, but how long does that last? <laughs> I'm not saying that you should only eat bread, but if yeah. you really get a lot of pleasure from bread. Find yeah. a nice sourdough whole wheat bread that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And when you eat it, then you take it take every bite with pleasure. And and Mm -hmm. this is just absolutely essential for sustainability, because we know that most diets out there don't work in the long run, because they involve a lot of suffering and restriction and deprivation. And so I I reject all of that. And I say, look, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. You shouldn't be doing it. Yep switch something up you gotta change practices. absolutely yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's not just in your nutrition this isn't every aspect of your life if you're not having fun doing it then you need to ask yourself a question why am I doing this
1: right because exactly. life is a
0: gift it's precious and it's short you know tomorrow is not promised so whatever it is that you want to do in life, have fun doing it. I love yeah. it. The healthy hedonist. I love it. I love it, Joe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's important to get that balance right because if you're only striving for hedonism for pleasure, yeah. then again, you end up making you know you you pro- it's probably going to be detrimental to your health. So yes. you have to get that balance between pursuing the pleasure and also making sure that you're giving your body the love and the care that you require. So getting enough water yeah. and movement and Sleep mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, that's, that's how you care for your body. Yeah. So we need both. Take me
0: through the process of a new client coming into your practice, wanting your guidance in elevating their nutritional life. Like how do you take a client who is coming in and they want to change their healthy behaviors and lifestyle?
1: Okay. Yeah. We, I have two other nutritionists who work for me. And so, you know, all three of us, when we work with clients, we, we start, but with, uh, like I mentioned earlier, awareness, being Mm -hmm. aware of what you're eating. So we do ask, not everybody, but most of our clients to uh, record what they're eating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even some of them will record their sleep or their, um, their physical activity and so it starts really with understanding what am I z- doing, what I'm doing now, I'm getting the results I've gotten so far, mm-hmm. right? Because it's very important to keep in mind that, uh, you know, trying the same thing over and over, right? is just, it usually doesn't work. So what am I doing now? And these are the results I'm getting. Now, if I make a small change, what happens? So let's say we use the example of the cereal, right? So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, every day I have this all brand cereal, which is highly processed. What Mm -hmm. if I change that out for a homemade, good good quality granola? And maybe I need a little bit more protein. Maybe I need to eat an egg or two with that or something, right? So it depends on the person. Oh, wow. When that happens, I notice that I have more energy. I'm not hungry. I have less craving. Oh, okay. So, So let's build on that. And so we don't give people a prescription diet. We ask them to record what they're eating, be aware of what they're eating. And then as they slowly tweak it, Mm -hmm. they see the proof is in the pudding. No, I'm not eating this breakfast because Jill told me to. I'm eating this breakfast because when I do, I feel a lot better. How, How long do you have them record
0: their meals? So
1: we, so we work in six month programs, Mm -hmm. pretty much that's the period of time that we found works the best uh, to get people really started and on their way. So Mm -hmm. some people will record throughout the whole six months. Some people, they, they feel like it's a little, you know, uh, inconvenient or restrictive and they feel like they've learned what they need to learn. So they may uh, record for a month or two and then they're done. It really depends on the person and okay. what they're, because again, we wanna make this sustainable. The, the goal is not to record what you're eating for the rest of your life. That is absolutely not what we're going for. What we're going for is you're the person having that understanding where, yeah, I know what type of breakfast works well for me. Maybe you, Maybe breakfast is something you won't eat at all, right? It depends on the person. And mm-hmm. I know that when I eat this way, when I eat this type of lunch, this type of dinner, uh, when I drink this much water, I know I feel at my best. So I'm going to keep doing that. And so it, it, we want it to become this sort of just an inner knowing, as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, I have to track my food for the rest of my life. That's, that's not what we're, we're going after. It's more uh, about the wisdom, the having that body wisdom.
0: And so after the end of the six month process, do they continue working with you? Or at that point, have they developed the behavioral skills, the practices where they can continue on their own? It
1: it really depends on the person. So the the program that I've designed, we cover nutrition, we cover stress management, we cover sleep, physical activity, and mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. We talk about the influence of hormones or toxins in your environment. So we cover a lot in six months and Mm -hmm. and it's all personalized to the individual So at the end of the six months, they can either continue on with the program or we have other options of more kind of light touch support. Mm -hmm. I find that, you know, most of the people who are coming to us are coming for weight loss. And a lot of the habits have been, you know, a lot many, many years in the making. So a lot of times people need a couple more months, three, six more months to cut in the sort of maintenance program that we have, um, to to have those check-ins. Uh, I, I find that that's really most people end up doing that because they like to have that. They don't want to just go cold turkey, you know. They kind of mm-hmm. want to ease ease out of it and uh, get to the point where, yeah, I know what I I know how to nourish my body properly, and I have these habits in place, and they're strong enough, and I feel good about carrying this on. But a, a lot of people sort of stay in the, in our atmosphere and they may, you know, attend some of the free calls that I do or group calls or read my blog, you know, because I, we all need, I personally am always looking for inspiration for my own health. I yeah. think, you know, it's really a lifelong endeavor to stay inspired yeah. and, you know, to, to be always prove improving just a little bit always just Mm -hmm. a little bit improving. So I think people appreciate being part of the community uh, beyond just the six months. Lovely. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
1: And if you're out there and
0: you're really looking to have someone guide you and becoming healthier, you know, I'm going to have all Jill's information and she works virtually. So you can actually attend the program, no matter where you are in the world, and she'll be there and she'll be guiding you through the process and um, that's beautiful now that in a world like today is we can virtually work in a space and connect even if we're not physically together so that's beautiful
1: yeah yeah and we do every month uh, pretty much every month we do a free lunch and learn about different topics so uh, so those are always available for people to kind of say hey you know I just want to just want to check this out and see, mm-hmm. see what this is all about uh and those are always a lot of fun and people are very engaged and we you know we make it very um beneficial time-wise that you get some good good information and inspiration
0: awesome and i'll have all the information in the description so don't worry all you do is look on the description and you can find all Jill's contact information so jill you know you are the mother of two beautiful daughters how mm-hmm. old are your daughters now?
1: Uh, Isabella is 20 and Sonia is 16. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Oh, I would never say you have a 20-year-old.
0: You look 20, Jill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course. You know what? My daughter, who's who's 20, she has a T-shirt that says, I make 48 look good. Wow. <laughs> she She got it at a thrift store. By the way, my girls, they don't shop in the mall. They only go to secondhand stores and thrift stores. It's That's I think smart. it's pretty trendy amongst that, that age group to mm-hmm.
0: so to they,
1: they, they know about fast fashion and they they want to buy, you know, secondhand clothing, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. That's a total side it. note. Yeah. good
0: good, good recycling on their part because you know, yeah. in the international world there's, there's so much clothing that gets made I think they're becoming more environmentally conscious is what it is and so they understand now just recycling and all its components
1: yeah absolutely I think there's that environmental component and it's mm-hmm. and it's cheaper too you know they can buy yeah. lots of clothes so. so anyway yeah so I have two <laughs> girls and I, I love my girls more than anything in this world
0: absolutely how oh, has your... Your mother and role changed over the years because now you have a 20 and a 16, so you have a young adult and you have a teenager. Can you, can you share with us just some wisdom you have gained over the, over the last year, especially during the pandemic?
1: I think the, the biggest piece of wisdom that I can uh, share with other moms or parents is that our children are not us. And they are born with their own life journey. You, mm-hmm. you may call it destiny. Uh, and it's its very hard, especially with teenagers, to let them be who they are. But I believe that this is the path to happiness and healthy growth for the children to mm-hmm. really allow them to be who they are and not who you want them to be. Mm, well and, said. Yeah, I mean, this is just, it's, it's so much more peaceful and harmonious in our house. <laughs> I, think, <because laughs> I just, I let them be who they want to be. Now, it's my job to set the example. So let's say, talking about nutrition, I set the example, I have the good food in the house, and I eat the good food. If my okay. girls who now both of them, they can go out, they can buy whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't ever comment about that to them. They know what's healthy. Mm -hmm. And they know what's not and they appreciate healthy foods, but I never forced them to eat anything. As a matter of fact, I I always had a, I would put out the whole foods first. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like if I made rice, okay, my husband's Filipino, there's been a lot of white rice, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so I want them, I give them the choice, the vegetables, the fish, the meat, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, and then and then I might bring out some rice later on. So I'm not I'm not forcing them to eat a certain way, but I'm, I'm setting the example and I'm allowing them to choose my, my daughter who's 16, when she was about three years old, she went through a phase where she did not eat any vegetables. She only ate chicken meat. Uh, She just, she just wanted meat stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Cause um, you know, she would even eat like the, the marrow, you know, like the ends of the chicken bones and suck the marrow wow. out. And yeah. I just let her do that. Uh, And, and eventually she stopped, you know, she started eating more vegetables and and just really allowing your children to be who they are and set the example, because when they're teenagers, they're going to do what they want to do. You can only control them so much. So uh, have faith in them, have faith that you, for the past 12 and a half, 13 years, you have guided them to be people who know what's right and what's wrong. And they're going to make mistakes and you're going to be there for them and you're not going to yeah. judge them. And then next time when they make a mistake, they're going to call you first. They're yeah. not going to call their aunt or their best friend's mom or their best friend. They're going to call you. So okay. there's a lot of benefit to just saying, you know what, I I see you and I respect you for who you are. And I'm not going to try to mold you into the perfect college student or the uh, taking over our business or, you know, whatever it is that we want our kids to do. Mm -hmm. uh, You're just setting yourself up for a lot of um, uh, pain, disappointment. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And uh, for me uh, as a mom, but one of the biggest lessons that I've learned and um, I still practice to this day, I'm not saying it's always easy, but (laughs) but that's my intention.
0: the last of five girls And it's still hard for my sisters to see me as an older bee. They still see me as a little girl. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: as a mother now, I am understanding more, you know, how they see me. And what you said was so profound in one setting the example for our children, because as they're young now, they get to see you, they idolize you, they think you're perfect. We can Mm -hmm. tell them as many times a day that we're not perfect. with fallible beings, we make mistakes, yeah.
1: allowing your girls to be themselves. And they yeah. will call you. I mean, my daughter is in college. She's a sophomore in college, and she's called me a lot in the past year and a half. She's called me in the middle of the night. You know, you yeah. think <laughs> you think the the nighttime wakings are over when they go to college? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I could call anybody I want right now, but I'm going to call you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know it just felt so good and i know that's part of you know part of the reason is we're very close and and i i accept her for who she is Mm. it's
0: because we have people in our life along the way who listen to us and our children need us to just listen yeah sometimes just being in air and listening is what they need they don't need us to judge them they just need you to listen to them and then after you've listened to them and they've spoken then you can guide them and no one knows your children better than you. Like Jill's daughter calls in the middle of the night, she could call anyone else. But for Jill, that warms her heart because that's her daughter. No matter how old she is, she'll always be her baby.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> so Aww. to be a mother is, I think it's one of the most beautiful achievements and accomplishments that I have ever done in my entire life and then consciously parenting them being there for them guiding them and um I love being a mom I really love being a mom
1: yeah yeah as as do I I mean they I love them more than anything in this world and I I you know as they get older they're not as sort of moment to moment needy Mm -hmm. so take a moment every single day to just some appreciation and love to my children even you know during my meditation or something because it's so easy to take them for granted as they get mm-hmm. older and it's like oh yeah they they you know they have they drive a car now so they're they're adults so they've got to figure it figured out Nah, no, not really yeah. and so just really always expressing my appreciation and love to them and and feeling that appreciation on an everyday basis You know, like you said earlier you know that tomorrow's mm-hmm. not guaranteed for any of us so I want to make sure that I let them know every single day, multiple times in a day that I love them and appreciate you, them.
0: This is, it's, it's a, it's a gift to, to, you know, be a mother and then to see your children grow up. Not everyone, you know, saw yes. their children grow up or not every child has a parent. A lot of women die in childbirth. and So to mm-hmm. have this process and to see it and to be present, it's a gift. And so oh, I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for my gift. And Jill, I can see that you are the same.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps. You know, it's just yeah. like you said, I, I, I always appreciate that my children are healthy because not everybody yeah. has that. So mm-hmm. uh, and, and people who have children who have health challenges, I'm sure appreciate them exactly as they are. Absolutely.
0: This flows, you know, quite smoothly talking about motherhood, being a mother, enjoying being a mother. When did you feel you became a beast mama? When you showed up for Jill in a way that you didn't even think was possible, not for anyone else,
1: but it was just for you. I would have to say that it happened with the birth of my first child. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I was not, uh, I thought I was prepared for birth. Let's put it that yeah. way. I meditated. I did yoga. I yeah. exercised. I swam. I you know, I, I read all the books and mm-hmm. I was going to have a natural home birth and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it hurt a lot more than I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting it bluntly, the pain was, uh, yeah. So I, um, it transformed me. That birth, the birth of Isabella transformed me into a mother. I, You know, I, I believe you're a mom as soon as you get pregnant, but Mm-hmm. It was a whole new level. and I, I, I always say that birth prepared me for the next, you know, 20 years of pain that I experienced as a mom. <laughs> yeah. That was all condensed in, you know, one 20-hour period of giving birth. Yep. So, uh, you know, I think there have been moments along the years, obviously the birth of my second, you know, birth is just such a powerful it is. experience and it transforms you into, you become a different person. You too. Uh, for better, for worse, mostly for better. <laughs> um, so I think for me, birth was a big um, uh, transformation. Uh, my daughter Belle. She was sick. Uh, she had. Um, she was sick for ten months when she was ten years old. That was also a very transformational experience for me because when your child is sick, you face things that you don't want to think about and yeah. um and one of the again I think that's where I learned that lesson was I realized that she has her own path, her own destiny and mm-hmm. I can cry and I can, you know, be angry and and be scared for her or I can just be there for her and mm-hmm. support her and be that calm, loving presence that she needed to uh you know it's not about me, it's about her at that point. And yeah. so just having the willpower and the strength to, to not just, you know, fall into a heap, a puddle of tears every day was, yeah. uh, that also changed me as a mother. And it made me realize that I just have to accept them for who they are. They're not me. They're not yeah. me. they're some, they're a separate individual being who I just happen mm-hmm. to be sort of guiding through the first, mm-hmm. you know, through life in a way, but Parenting and actually nutrition and being an entrepreneur, everything we do, it's really about your own growth, right? Like you can stay stuck in your old ways and Mm -hmm. and not evolve and not be there for that person. Or you can step up to the game and work on yourself and become a better person so that you can support other people in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a big thing that I had to learn with a child who was sick was it's not about me uh you know obviously i have to safeguard my own self-care and my sleep and all of that but um she has her path and and no matter how much i cry or complain i'm not going to change her path yeah um you know with with resisting it yeah so um so that helped me to be a parent of a teenager because then they go out and they you know, party and they mm-hmm. hang out with people that you don't like, and and it's yeah. like, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my thoughts, but you're gonna do what you do, and I'm I mm-hmm. just have to accept you for who you are. So um I don't know. I mean, I guess every day I'm becoming more and more of a beast, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Why
0: not? Oh, this is beautiful. You said it right. You know, do are have to experience? For, for any woman who has a natural childbirth you know it really transforms you into a being that you never thought you would be like you you understand it like mentally but once you experience it physically and it just changes you then you go oh well, that's what that was and so I kind of got my body ready for it i did a year-long detox and a year-long physical training. And I remember my husband looking at me and he was like, it's gonna be a lot of pain. And I said, um, no, it's not. And he's like, I love you. But I said, let's go to the dictionary. So we were like, we went to the dictionary. <laughs> and so pain is really, you know, a, a a mental manifestation of a physical action. I said, hey, you go, if it's not pain to me, it cannot be pain. And he's like, God, you got me. I said, so mm. I said I'm I'm looking at this process as me birthing my son. It is going to be challenging. It is not going to be easy, and that's why I got ready for this marathon. And I experience just that connection with that child, like, and you have to be so connected with the process because if you're not, if you're disconnected, then you you can't really go through the entire process and really push them through and um it changed it changed my life forever Mm. I I was never the same person after doing that I knew I was a worry I understood what my mom told me she said Mm. after you have your own children you will understand how much I love you and I called her and I said I do now I understand and she's like okay my mom and I are very close and she is she is a, a a true example of of a, a beautiful mother, a beautiful woman. She is hardworking. I mean, when I say so loving, accepting of, of you, non-judgmental. And um, I, I I still look to her for guidance. I still look to her for, for assisting me in, in guiding my own children. And like you mentioned, you want to accept your children for who they are. And I love that you said, that no matter how old they are, how old they become, you will still love them for who they are. Mm, yeah. Oh,
1: that's so sweet.
0: So, so thank you for sharing. You know, I, Jill, I've known you for not a very long time. I've known you for what, four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want you to share with me who was that little girl who became the woman that I know now, the amazing woman that I know now. Who was
1: little Jill? What was she like? I was, you know, it's, it's, I love that question. (laughs) In hindsight, looking back and doing all my own inner work, I realized that I was very, very powerful as a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was born in 1970. um, I was a little girl and powerful girls are not very well received in the world.
0: (laughs) I know that very well,
1: personally. Even, yeah, even, even to this day. We have to work on that, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was very outgoing, very active. I was loud. I was gregarious. I was demanding. Uh, I was selfish. You know, all of those wonderful things. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. that, that, that translate ultimately to, you know, when used properly, to power. And mm-hmm. so, but I was, I was taught, you know, year by year by year that, uh, that wasn't okay. And I had to be more quiet and mm-hmm. not speak up and not demand what I want. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I had a wonderful childhood in the sense that we had a lot of freedom. I mean, we mm-hmm. were really free range kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> I love free range kids. Uh, so I appreciate that Um, my mother's family's Italian who I spent most of my family time with and we had these wonderful every Sunday the family would gather for uh, dinner my grandmother would cook these huge elaborate Italian meals with homemade ravioli and Mm. you know sausage and homemade meatballs and sauce and (sighs) And, um, you know, it was funny because my mom was very health oriented. I was brought up, my mom was a vegetarian and and she juiced all the time. And we had a big mm-hmm. garden and, you know, as a kid, it's like, well, no, I want the burger and fries. I want the, yeah. the, the tempeh burger, you know, <laughs> or the brown rice and tofu. So yeah. I had a lot of that going on in my home life. And then every Sunday we would go to my grandmother's and there would be these wonderful meals. Oh, yeah. So I was really brought up. I I, I later on realized that I kind of in my childhood had both of these things, right? This Mm -hmm. nourish her body properly, like be healthy, but also, you know, taking time to, to sit down with family and really take Mm -hmm. pleasure in the food. Okay. So maybe it wasn't like the absolutely healthiest stuff that my grandmother prepared, but it was all homemade. I will say that uh, because she was Italian and, and she came from a small town in Southern Italy, like Um, you know, like somewhat similar to your upbringing, where everything was made from scratch. So Mm -hmm. my grand, we never went out to eat my mom and my grand, when they never bought processed foods, it was always um, made from scratch. But there was a lot of pleasure in the eating process. So I think that a lot of that has influenced now, my beliefs about how about being healthy. And that always includes being around people you love. Yeah. whether it's family, friends, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's being around people you love. Yeah. Um, so I always loved people as a child. I was very, very, very social, and I still am to this day. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of the work that I'm doing now is recognizing that power and reclaiming that power that I kind of, you know, tucked, tucked into my pocket uh, <laughs> throughout my teens and twenties, mm-hmm. and, and then probably having kids was the 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 birth of reminder of that power. I think. Yes. yes. So, uh, you know, for for those of us who have little girls, I think it's I am on a mission to really um, for us to stand up and take back our power and stand mm-hmm. in that power and be who we are unapologetically. Saying Mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's okay for me to have an opinion. It's okay for me to be angry. It's okay for me to want things that may not align with what you want and ask for those things. Um, So there's a lot of that around uh, power that I, you know, am playing with in my own inner work that, you know, reminds me of when I was a little girl, which is just, it's fun. You know, it's fun to think back on those things. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. You just said it, right? Unap- unapologetically rock life. This is what the Beast Mamas podcast is all about. It's women who are who they are. They're great at what they do. They have persevered through so many challenges. And, and they don't want you to feel sorry for them. They want you to understand their story so that you can learn from it. So we can all thrive together and rock life. And that's what it is. We, we are a community of women who just love each other.
1: Oh, I love that. You're welcome.
0: So <laughs> you've you, you told us about, you know, young Jill. I want you to share with us a story from your young life that really shaped who you became. So it could be an experience you had with your mom, your dad, or maybe your grandma, something that really, you never forgot when it happened, and you've taken it throughout your life with you.
1: Hmm. Hmm, a story that I experienced, I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me was that I lived in Japan. I went to Japan when I was uh, I was 21 for the first time. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that count? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's your story. <laughs> when I was 21, I went to Japan by myself for as an exchange student in college. Mm-hmm. And that Definitely changed my entire life. It changed the direction of my life. One thing that's kind of ironic, because we were talking about the power thing, was that being living in Japan, I lived in Japan for a total of seven years. Yeah. The the culture there, talking about women and power, <laughs> uh, it's it's much more upfront. So in America, we kind of pretend that we placate women and say, yes, you have power, but then, you know, it's sort of taken away. In Japan, it's just blatantly stated, you know, you as a woman are sort of below men and keep, stay in your lane and keep quiet Mm -hmm. and be a small little tiny girl and be nice. So I internalized some of that in Japan, which is kind of interesting part of my journey, I guess, of minimizing myself and diminishing Mm -hmm. my power. So that maybe have been something that was uh it's interesting you know part of my journey in japan but other aspects of being in japan were first of all living in another country is Mm -hmm. such a great experience i recommend it to everybody me too it it expands your it kind of blows your mind you know because you're used to things are and i I traveled a bit to europe and stuff in my teens and, and when i was a child but Japan is just so different. And it kind of explodes your mind to say, wow, the way that I thought everything was supposed to be is not necessarily the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's an entire culture of people here who see things quite differently about Mm -hmm. many, many different things. So whether it's parenting or food, you know, I learned a lot. And uh, it's funny, I, I stayed with this host family and, and the, the little girl, who, the youngest daughter, she slept with her parents till she was 12. And I remember wow. thinking, hmm, that's interesting. And, you yeah. know, my both of my daughters slept with us till they were 12. Yeah. <laughs> and in Japan, that's sort of the age. That's so normal. I, yeah. And it was normal. I never told my children to get out of the bed. and They just self-selected when they were 12, both of them. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I, my my whole horizon, my whole, just the idea of being an expansive thinker that comes mm-hmm. from living in Japan and assimilating a different culture, learning a new language, boy, mm-hmm. does that open up your mind. Yeah. So um, I think in, in many ways, it shaped, I don't think I know in many ways that it shaped who I am today. And, and I'm so appreciative of that experience. And I could yeah. probably, you know, if I had more time, think of lots of other good things that I learned. From it. <laughs>
0: Thank you for sharing about, you know, your experience in, you know, living in Japan, and I too can attest living in Australia, moving to the UK, living in America. It is so important, for, I think, for for young people, especially, to to move from their home culture to experience just a different way of life, cuisine, history, where they're able to understand and see. Different people navigate life, and it really does open up a whole new world for them. I think an appreciation for people as well, and understanding of diversity, and you understand that we all people, we all human beings in this experience together, and we see it in different ways and and that that's where we get to really um, accept each other for who we are.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely.
0: So I wanted to ask you because you are, a nutritionist, you're there to guide to guide us all on our health journey. Who motivates and inspires you?
1: Mm, I feel like I motivate and inspire myself. But
0: <laughs> nice,
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, I definitely get inspired by my daughters. They inspire me to, as we talked about earlier, just to be a better person for them. Mm-hmm. But in the world of Health and nutrition. Uh, there's one. There's a, a couple. Uh, their names are Gay and Katie Hendricks, mm-hmm. and um, they. I actually am certified as a Big Leap Coach, which is their coaching certification. They really, really have inspired me in so many ways to live consciously, mm-hmm. uh, to be tap into my emotions and and not squash them down, but to really be with them and explore mm-hmm. them. So many, many things that I've learned and been inspired by from them. Uh, in the health world, there are I uh, there's a doctor that I worked for for many years here locally who inspired me with her absolute brilliance and mm-hmm. her pursuit of of excellence in terms of knowledge and scientific mm-hmm. curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I follow some people online that I really like. There's a guy named Mike Mutzel uh, who I love. Um, very science-based mm-hmm. uh, you know what I, I gotta give a shout out to Mike Peel Mike Peel is a he has a fitness uh YouTube channel and I mm-hmm. just before this before we got on this call I was dancing with him <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if you want me to uh i give specific names but you know absolutely Mike, yeah so he has um I think it's called hip-hop fit uh, but uh, Mike Peel is just, I mean, he delivers these beautiful little 30 minute hip hop workouts mm-hmm. that he's just so much in love and presence. And he makes me laugh. And I'm sitting there, you know, talking to the channel, like <laughs> talking <laughs> back to him. Um, and it just makes me smile, I love it. It, you know, yeah. inspires me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have a pretty um, I have a very consistent uh, and specific uh physical activity um routine and he's mm-hmm. part of it every week because you know fitness should be fun too and yeah. uh, I, I just take so much pleasure in um in doing those workouts. They're really just dance. It's really just dancing.
0: <laughs> Love it. But but yeah I want you to mention their names because in mentioning their name you, you pay homage to to them for what they've done in your life for their inspiration. But as well, someone else listening may, may look that person up and, and they can continue to inspire others. And that's what the podcast is. I want you to express yourself in the way you feel comfortable. So thank you very much for sharing your names. Sure. Thank you. We are at the end of our podcast. You were, you were absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for guiding us on, on how to, to live an approach of nutrition holistically. It has been an absolute pleasure. You shared so much wisdom. You shared your own experience. You're very transparent. And our listeners can really tell and understand now why you've been invited, because you are a beast mama. So thank you again. Uh, Share with our listeners how they can continue being connected with you, share your website and your social media
1: handles. So my website is, so the name of our business is Work With Your Nature Weight Loss. And the website, the URL is win, which is W-Y-N, weightloss.com. So if you go to winweightloss.com, you're going to find, you know, information about me and my philosophies, but also I am a very active blogger there. So regularly I'm writing articles and putting videos up there. Uh, so I, there's just a wealth of information there for you. I also have a YouTube channel, which is also win Weight Loss. And uh, I have lots of videos that I regularly put up, and I think those are probably the two best ways to uh, connect with me. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn and and uh, Instagram, and we have a Facebook group as well, which is a nice community. Uh, but they're all they're all basically Win Weight Loss, which we spell W-Y-N, on um, with your nature.
0: Well, this has been the Jill Cruz episode, episode thirteen. Thank you, Jill. Enjoy the rest of your day and continue being a beast mama.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a pure pleasure. Couldn't have had more fun doing a podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank
0: you so much.